hey, uh, in the next scene, you can, you know, you can, you can go bigger. You can go bigger if you want. You can do it. You can go bigger. Let's call him Kitty Lauer. We're waiting for Anthony Eugenio. Well, hello everybody, gobble gobble motherfuckers, and welcome! I'm sure you had a great time <laughs> on fucking Thanksgiving, but we're back. We're back. We're bigger, but we're back in town. And we're here with a very special edition, because we have somebody here that not only is a comedian, local, awesome, in the Boston scene, also an actor, and I've seen his reel, and he can fucking dance. So that means he's a triple threat. <laughs> and on December 14th at the Somerville Theater, you can see a variety show that he puts on for albinism every year, which is fucking awesome. And I think that's going to be very cool. But give it up for our guest today, Dennis Hurley. How you doing, brother? Hey, doing well. Hello, open Mike Payne. Glad to be here. Am I being arrested? No, but you will eventually after this podcast, most likely, because next we have our uh, co-host here, who is a threat to nobody but himself, and that is Wayne Russell. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. That was that was pretty mild. I thought that was going somewhere else. <laughs> if killing yourself jokes are mild, we have hit the stone that we were trying to hit here. We've set the bar. <laughs> What's that? That's it. Oh man. So Dennis, uh, we're, we're really excited to have you on. Um, you had reached out to us, she's uh, probably a while back now, and um, yeah, we, I mean, I checked out a lot of your stuff, uh, everything I could find, and I gotta say, I'm thoroughly impressed. You do you do some really well, cool shit. I was I was young and needed the money. What can I say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I I discovered you. I think it was through social media. I think it was either Facebook or Instagram, your show. I love the title, Open Mic Pain. It's so such a great title. And, and I, I am a South Shore, Boston native, born and raised. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the Boston Mic Open scene for years. So it's, uh, it's such a great – it's great to be here. That's awesome. Um, as we start most of our shows with guests, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start off with, uh, we had talked a little bit um, beforehand. and So you started off acting bef before you ever got on stage yeah. for uh, comedy, right? Absolutely. That's something I, I want to be very clear about is um, there's, there's so many different kinds of comedy and I am not a pure stand-up. Some, some days I wish I were, you know, some people are going to see me on this show and like, what the hell is he doing there? Um, no, <laughs> get him out of there. No, it's cause I, I know many who are purist stand-ups and that's where they began. I began as a stage actor and a writer and that's what I am first and foremost. I'm a, I'm an actor and a sketch writer first and a comedian and a comedian second. Um, and it's, it's, it's such an interesting thing because not that I work out too much. I, I liken it to, to strength training. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like it's, they're all different muscle groups. Like, mm. like when, when I started out, I was like, like anyone who's, who's fresh in, in, in co comedy, I was like, oh, 
oh, I, I've been on stage before. I can do stand-up. That's easy. The, the, the skills are 100% transferable. Nope. <laughs> it's a whole different animal. It's like, it's like a whole different muscle group is what I mean. It's like what the, the, the instincts you use for acting, to me, they're almost completely different than, than stand-up. And I learned that the hard way. I think it definitely helps you, though. Um, I was watching uh, your the character you did on America's Got Talent, uh, Herb Marple, right? <laughs> yes. Um, and you yeah. sent me a video, uh, a full, I think it was like a 10-minute set you did. And I got to tell you, I've never seen somebody out and about where we are be so comfortable on stage. Like I, We've talked about it before. I have a really hard time uh, getting out of my comfort zone and doing silly things to get a laugh or, or this or that. So as you say, I'm kind of like a standard, I have my mic, I have my voice, and I'm, mm-hmm. that's something I work on. But goddamn, Dennis, when you got on stage and just like everything, you did, the physical comedy and the... The, the singing and the, everything is it's it's really impressive. I think that that background really helps you with the ability to get the laughs. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. And and also, yeah. So so in a way, I'm like the inverse of of what you say. How you started, I started with character, with intention, with acting motivation, and um, I'll just give you a bit of background. Yeah, I started as an actor. I was like, I want to go be. On stage, I want to be a movie star. From 2002 to 07, I, I was pounding the pavement in New York City. I was, I was uh, doing background work on Sex and the City and Law and Order. And, and by night, I was in, like, Shakespeare. I was in, like, Neil Simon comedies. I was doing um, weird avant-garde black box plays that no one saw, that I think there were two audience members and a dog. Sounds like the last uh, show we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of those. Yeah. So that was where I started. That as as an actor. And that was and then then I ran out of money <laughs> like you do and uh I moved back home to Boston. And it was there that I got into the improv scene, the improv sketch scene. And I realized this is this is more what I want to do. I love creating characters and and crafting a a sketch. Um, and then about 2015 to 2020, I, I decided, well, I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to give LA a try. And so similar thing. I used my acting contacts to, to get some auditions in the day. And then I joined a sketch team at night and then kind of by, by default, I just at night stand up was just something to do. And I just grew a love for it. And I, I really started to, to put an act together where I was just talking. And as you said, like acting and stuff lends itself well to, to stand up. But listening for those audience cues, that's, it's, I just realized, wow, this is a completely different animal than acting. And in some ways, some people say, and like I'm friends with a lot of great Boston stand-ups who are purebred stand-ups like, like Rob Crean or um, Gary Peterson. Um, and when I was asking for advice early, I, I remember some people were just like, well, you kind of sound like, like when I was early, 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 when I was bombing completely at open mics, like you kind of sound like an actor who's doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So mm. in, in a way, it was like those instincts of, of doing, of, of just talking, just talking to the audience. There was an air of just that instinct of being an, like that actor voice that takes over. And it's like, no, no, man, you should just got to get out there and talk about what you want to talk about. It's not, not so much a presentation as you really just have to bear your soul and connect with the audience as, as a stand-up. And I, and, um, that was something I, I, I learned early on. That's a good, it's a good point. Like for instance, when we do stand-up, I always try to liken it. Like I'm telling a story at a water cooler to people at work and I really want to get their attention and tell a good story. Where the acting, is it kind of more you're putting a fourth wall in front of it type of effect? So you're not like there was a barrier in front of the audience that you felt with your performance in the beginning. And then, you know, you kind of worked your way out of that. that. That's the timing difference. Would you say that's what you had a problem with? I think you're right. I think it's like the concept of the fourth wall. It's like you're asking as an actor, you're asking the audience to suspend their disbelief. Whereas... As a stand-up, you're just taking them. You're, you're, there's no fourth wall. You're just taking them in yeah. to, to your life. And at, as you said, Wayne, like early on, I, I, I found it so nerve-wracking, that the idea of just talking, of just talking and listening to wh- how, what the audience just thought of me and my just regular observations in life as, mm. as an open micer, as a stand-up. So I did. I created characters, much like... Like you think of um, uh, the late Jim Varney. He created yep. that character, Ernest yep. T. Worrell. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 or the late Paul Rubens as, as Pee Wee Herman. They, they created, a ca- they came from an acting background and they kind of created a meta um, character that's doing stand-up. So I was acting as a stand-up. Mm-hmm. So... So when I started to make that transition in the, in the late 2000s in Boston, it was a rude awakening because I'm like, oh, this is such a different craft. And, and I do agree that some of the skills lend itself to it, but it's, it's really a whole different animal. Um, like, do you know that, that comic uh, Neil Hamburger? I do not. Yeah, that's, that's, that was a partial inspiration for Herb Marple. He's a... He kind of puts on a voice, puts on an act, um, but it's just a, a yeah, it's such a different thing. It's an intriguing uh, I, concept to do that because it's like, as a stand-up, the hardest part is having confidence in the shit that you say to people because you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say some real dark shit here, and when it's you saying it like this is me on the stage, you're like, ah, they could judge me personally, but if you get uh, especially in the beginning, I'm sure it'll help with confidence to build the character first. And you're like, ah, oh, well, that guy's saying it. It's not me. Maybe I can put a lot more behind it because I'm not worried about the repercussions behind it. So that is an intriguing. I would love to do that. That, that is interesting. Uh, I have quite a few jokes that I would never say to somebody in conversation, <laughs> but I have no problem saying it to a group of people staring at me on a stage. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Right. But, but, you, but you are yourself. I mean, you're... A version of yourself, right. right? Saying those jokes, yeah, um, yeah. Like w- when I was starting out, I think I think I th- approached it as an actor, so it came off as fake. Have you ever seen the movie Punchline? The uh, Robert De Niro one? No, no, no. It's Tom Hanks and Sally Field. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen that one yet. I've been going through all okay. the stand-up movies, and I just got to Robert De Niro. I'm going to go back a little, Tom Hanks, because Robert De Niro is somehow a later one. It kind of sucked. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, not. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, Punchline, it's it's kind of a... The, the, the structure of the movie itself, the script is okay, but Tom Hanks acting as a stand-up, it, it just doesn't work. Because mm. you can see him acting as a stand-up, in the movie and 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 that rarely works i find they like they mm. a couple years ago they tried a show on showtime called i'm dying up here mm -hmm. and and all the comics had the same like critique of it i'm like oh see i told you i was being arrested yep now he's getting you that was oh. that was me my Hold apologies no, no worries no worries Chuck, I, I feel like the I feel like the predator was in the room about to like laser blast my head off. Yeah, what he'll do that, that. He'll have all kinds of shit going on back there. You'll you'll hear rattling and dogs and all <laughs> kinds of crap. <laughs> There's a bat yeah. or two gonna fly in another. But what was I saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was just in in the beginning. Since my skill as an actor, I was terrified of of comedy and. Um, I had the con I knew I could be on stage, but like I had never just kind of put it out there and said, Hey, my, I'm Dennis and I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit here and talk and, and really kind of not, not kind of craft an arc of a scene in my head, but no, I have to really go off of how the audience is responding. And it's, it's a, it's a different thing when you're kind of presenting a scene to an audience as opposed to, Stand up, which is which is really more of like a it almost feels like a dialogue with the audience. <laughs> to, to go back a little bit, uh, you had mentioned yeah. Tom Hanks doesn't it doesn't seem right because he's acting as a stand up. I, yeah. I haven't finished the series, but have you watched uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel? Yes. Should, Ra was it Rachel Brosnahan? Was it? I think was yep. the actress. I have to say she was absolutely phenomenal. Like you would assume she was a you know doing stand up for years. Uh, just with her, the, you know, the way she handles herself. Uh, you were tit hypnotized, admit it. Uh, the first admit episode, it. yeah, but I don't think they ever came <laughs> back, it. so it, it had oh, yeah, lasting I know. power. What? Jesus, yeah, I know, seriously. That was like mega crack. <laughs> they were well, like, you'll come hey, back <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I couldn't succumb to that. I mean, she's she's not bothersome to the eye. No, not at all. No. <laughs> no, but that third season was bothersome to my fucking face because that was terrible. <laughs> they, like, you know what we should do? We should make it not about stand-up anymore. And you're like, what? <laughs> I, and that, that's like, I, I think that worked so well because it was such a different time in comedy. Yeah. Mm. Right? Because like, that era of comedy was all about, story, like was much more about storytelling, I thought. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it just Lenny had Bruce, a man. very different, the, right? The Lenny Bruce, the yeah, yeah. It's funny that there there are so many different types of comedy in the stand up world. Uh, I was just listening to today uh, uh, Jacques Lambert's podcast, uh, Carnival Personnel, and he had uh, Anthony when we went to um, the Luna Theater uh, with the corporate comedian. Yeah, uh, he had he had him on this week and and discussed about you know, how he started and this and that, and his realization that there are other types of comedians. You know, you have your Stephen Wrights and you have your, you know, your Bill Burrs and you have, you know, all these different ways, storytellers and one-liners and 
that's kind of an interesting thing to to think about too is like finding not just your voice but the way you want to tell jokes which is really interesting thought absolutely there's so many different styles and and i i started like many like as an actor i i started with characters and impressions like um like I, that that is is one thing i I find fascinating about comedy. There, there's some, there's some people who, there are actors who do comedy, who do stand up, and they, like who's somebody who is so good at both. It's so rare to me, who's like a really good actor but also a great stand up. Yeah, um, a few. That's it. Well, I'm not going to say it because I got in trouble the last time I brought him up. But Bill, Bill, Cos- oh, yeah, Bill, Cosby. Bill Cosby, yeah, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby, yes. I mean, I guess he was a decent. He was a he was he was an okay actor. I, I really liked like, him in Ghost Dad, where he came to the phone. He's like, <laughs> "Put the bitch on the phone." <laughs> that just that just burned into my memory. <laughs> wow, deep cuts! I didn't know we were getting into Ghost Dad today. Oh okay. my god! No, you're Dennis. You are going to be so disappointed by how he just went deep cut, and then the cut ends there. Like he's got nothing else. I think. Okay. What year is it? What's, it was a year like I think 1989. movies. Yeah, the 1990, oh. he stopped. <laughs> I see. Okay, so next we're going to dive into Andrew Dice Clay and Ford Fairlane, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the one person, one that comes to mind is David Cross. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Love I David think Cross. he, yeah. yeah, I think he's a great stand-up, but also I think his, him as a sketch comedy actor, his work in Arrested Development, like. That, that was my first, uh. Uh, um, my first time ever realizing who David Cross was was as Tobias, and I was just enamored by him. And then when I saw his other works, I was like, "Holy shit, that's a completely different person!" <laughs> exactly, he's <laughs> able to just make. He's like I said, like a muscle group. He's able to make that shift as, as like an engaging character actor, and then he just makes that shift. And he's he has such a specific point of view as a stand-up. I saw him live once at the Wilbur Theater um, about 10 years ago. He was fantastic. And um, and he was so good. Like, I liken myself to, like, did you see a few years back, I don't know, I think it was five years ago, Dana Carvey did a Netflix special. No, and he's done, yeah, he's done stand-up shows. And it's very clear when you watch it. I'm like, you're not watching a great stand-up. You're watching like one of the best impressionists of all time. Yeah, yeah. But he's kind of doing stand-up. It feels like because he can. Like I'm not mm, saying yeah. he's terrible, but that's just not his. You know his main thing, and that's kind of like I I don't have aspirations to to be like a major stand-up. Like I'll always be an actor who who kind of who dabbles in stand-up. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's, that's the difference. Um, and it, it's just funny. That's what we're talking about right now is, is it's so rare that someone can be both like, I guess because it's, it's almost like a chicken or the egg thing. Like which came first? Mm-hmm. Like, like Robert, like Robin Williams. Yeah. Like I was introduced to him as an actor, but then later I found his stand-up and I was like, Whoa. I can't decide what he's better at. And like you said earlier, Eddie Murphy, like mm. he was on fire in the eighties in like I love Patton Oswald, way. you know, have you listened to Patton Oswald's uh, stuff? 
Oh God, yes. Yeah, yes. like him, and, and he, then his acting with uh, he did Parks and Rec. He did the Star Wars filibuster, which I don't think they did the whole. Uh, I don't know if you saw that where he did a full uh, improv Star Wars filibuster uh, to shut down a town council meeting. Is the greatest piece of acting I might have ever seen. <laughs> <It's so good>. <laughs> <laughs> I love his stand-up bit about Star Wars, about how he said he wished there was a a, a world where. You know the the bit about Han Solo, how there was a short casting list. I haven't heard this before. Harrison before Harrison Ford got the role, they were considering Burt Reynolds, and at the at the very bottom of the list, they considered Nick Nolte. Oh my god! <laughs> and he's like. You guys got to see it. I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. butcher it. But he's basically just saying, like, I would pay to watch that. Like, just him with his gut hanging out, like hung over, like, God damn Chewbacca, why don't you fix the goddamn hyperdrive? Oh, you know, it's it, actually it, while we're on Patton Oswalt, he has a bit about uh, the bed who eats people. Uh, the movie about that. I don't know if you've heard that one, but I've always wanted to ask an actor about it because it's probably one of my favorite stand-up bits of all time. And he basically. He says that uh, making a movie is so hard and so complicated and puts so much effort, takes budget, all that stuff. And they got through a movie called The Bed Who Eats People. And it was literally a movie about like a lady lied on a bed and, and it would eat them on top of it. He's like, people had to go through pitch meetings. There were directors. <laughs> Someone got fired. They spent three <laughs> years writing the script. And I thought it was such a I... brilliant, like, because there's so much shitty movies out there. Uh, have you ever worked on something where you're like, man, the effort on this is extremely high, but the quality of the output is extremely low? Is there any like production you've ever been on that you felt that way? Oh, man. That's a that's a great question. It's and it's like you can tell halfway through, like this is going to get like 20 hits on YouTube. What am I even doing here? Well, at least there's donuts at the craft food table. <laughs> at least there's uh, maybe maybe I'll. I'll hoard some of these uh these uh, uh gummy bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um no no it, it is and and I've I've done everything from just like student films where you know people are rolling and they forget the sound was on to 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 you know major major productions so it's yeah yeah there are there are there are times where it's just like okay who bought who bought tickets on this train? <laughs> why, why did I say yes? Why did I say yes? I, I, of course, I won't say what what it was, but yeah, there's been definitely things like that. I feel that way whenever I say it all the time. Whenever I go to Jamaica Plain, because it takes me like uh, like an hour and a half to go there, and I put oh, you so much effort in, <laughs> and I go. You need a travel visa wherever you live. You need a travel visa. You to do get to to Jamaica Plain. Believe me. And then you get oh, there, man. they take your visa, and they rip it in front of you, and they call you a homophobe. And you're like, damn it! I don't mean it! I'm just trying to be funny! <laughs> yeah, so I, that, my jokes are like the bed to eat people. They're like, how did you spend so much time, two hours down here in effort, and then you said that? But, oh. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah! Um... Yeah, it's 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 funny. Like, did you see Bobcat Goldthwait does does stand up? He had a yeah, stand up. Yeah, he he was just up here uh, at the Wicked Funny Club in North Andover. Like two, uh, yeah, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, 
And he's great. He's someone who who did that transition. Like he, like that that the crazy voice he used to do was like that was that was like his big gimmick. That yep. was his hook. But now he just doesn't he doesn't do it anymore. Yep. He just he just straight just talks with the audience. And that I, must confuse so many fucking people when they go over there. Like, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Yep. Imagine Gilbert Gottfried came out and he came out in his accountant voice that he had, like his real one, and he was like, hello, audience, how are you? Did, and you're like, what the, f- be a parrot, what are you yeah. doing? Did you ever hear the voicemail of him without doing his voice? Yeah. That's so yep, weird. Me too. Yep. That's it's, so shock. Weird. it's freaky. Yeah, it's when freaky. I die, yeah. I want them to play that voicemail in my ear as I'm fading, because that is just fucking, <laughs> that's a, that's a know, dose of hell. You know what's another weird one is Michael Jackson. Ooh, so yeah, his high pitched voice was not his voice. If you ever played, get and, uh, the fuck out of here! I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my geekiness. Uh, but if you ever played the game on PlayStation Two, Ready to Rumble Two, I think it was. Oh my god! Michael Jackson was a character in there, and when he did the voice for it, he used his real voice. So it sounds like Michael Jackson just with a deeper voice. So if you want to hear it, you can go look up his lines from that game. Yep. Goddamn oh, pop yeah. culture reference. Wayne's got to come from some kind of cartridge. <laughs> hey, we we all we all put in our hours playing uh, Moonwalker on Sega Genesis. <laughs> my, my favorite thing was uh, I saw somebody put the character from Moonwalker into like Super Mario Brothers, and <laughs> so it was Michael Jackson fighting Goombas. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh man! Oh shit! Um. So I do want to come back to, to stand up a little bit, but yeah, I we were just talking about uh, you know different uh, shows and things you've been on. I was really curious because uh, some of the things like you know Superstore and your, your Justin Timberlake music video, and am I not mistaken, yeah. you were in Hubie Halloween as well? Yeah, but I was cut. I hit the. I was thrown on the cutting room floor. Oh really? All right. Yeah, but it was it was so fun to go there. No, that was surreal. Like I was home. I was living in LA at the time, but I I was home for a couple things and the casting office called and said, "Hey, we we need you for a day. We want you to be um they want you as the crazy guy in a, a straitjacket in the insane asylum." And I'm like, "It's like a day rate of a, a day player." And I'm like, "All right, dude." And so I went up to Tewksbury and I got there and, you know, went in the trailer and they're like, hey, they want to see you first to rehearse. And I get up there and it's Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. Oh, my God. And they both just I meet them both in the matter of seconds and like, hey, man, what's going on? Hey. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I, I, I just tried to play cool. Like, hey, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, these are like two of my biggest heroes I'm, I'm standing in front of. Um, right now, because because uh, uh, Ben Stiller reprises his role as Hal the Orderly from Happy Gilmore, in mm-hmm. Happy Halloween. Oh yeah! Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's and he works awesome. At... And you were yeah. in the scene with him doing that character. I know. Oh, yeah. Wow! Fuck. I was so excited too. Uh, they they he's still in it as Hal for a second, but they cut the whole like uh, patience wandering around scene that I was in. And um, did you get a copy of that but, at all, or? No, no, it's gone. It's all good. Sometimes, I mean, if if this were still the era of DVDs, maybe it would have made like a bonus feature. But th- this is the best part is like between takes, 
Sandler's like producing the movie, and Sandler's just wearing t-shirts and shorts as he does, and he comes up to, and yeah, and he just comes up to me and gives me notes, and he's just like, hey, uh, in the next scene, you you know. You can you can go bigger. You can go bigger if you want. You can do it. You can go bigger. Yeah. I'm gonna stop you real quick. I was gonna uh-huh. ask you if you had an Adam Sandler impression, and I'm glad you did it. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, and, and he was talking to me, and I was processing it. And I was nodding. And I was like, uh-huh. uh huh. In the back of my head, I'm like, I just wanted to tell him, like, do you have any idea? how many times I've listened to your comedy CD back in 1993 when I was in high school, like literally the whole weekend that came out, that's all my friends and I did. We just sat Friday through Sunday. We just listened to, they're all going to laugh at you. Like mm, that was so my good. era. I, that was funny. I, I was on a sketch recently. Sorry to interrupt you, but nope. I, I was in a, I, uh, I, I was with all, like I was doing a sketch, a film sketch and people were like, had their YouTube videos and, and watching the digital shorts from SNL. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, this uh, was great. And I, I clued them into like old parody commercials from the early 90s on SNL. And they were like, oh, this is hilarious. This is great. And I was like, yeah, it's – and I, I just thought back. I'm like – I'm showing my age here. But like back then, like 1991, 92, like you, you watch a sketch on SNL – you're not going to see it again yeah. at all until it's it's on in a rerun, and you mm. might not even see it then. And the and and the kids the kids I were acting with like kids they were like you know twenty one twenty two and they were just like that me you mean you couldn't just pull it up? And I'm just like no, it was it was gone. It was it was all in the hands of the uh, NBC, and we we couldn't watch it. Yeah, and I was just like yep. And that was my heyday. Those were my like. Those were my guys. Were the Sandler, Farley, mm-hmm. Spade. Did yeah. you at least bring like an elderly lady <clears throat> to have Ben Stiller beat the shit out of or something? So you at least get that out of it. So <laughs> <have>. <laughs> oh, I wish. I wish. Yeah. I, I um, as I mentioned before uh, on the podcast, I, I'm a salesman, so I do a lot of driving around. At the end of last yeah. year, I uh, I was asked to train one of my coworkers as an outside sales guy. Um. And at the time, he had just turned 21. And he knew Adam Sandler from, you know, Big Daddy and Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky, all that stuff. But he didn't know anything about the CDs. So we spent probably a week listening to um, Tollbooth Willie and Fatty McGee and the severe beatings up. And I don't think I've ever seen somebody laugh so hard. Like, we, he must have had me replay The Talking Goat, like, every day for a week straight. It's so such good when shit. you think about it too that he would do shit like that. Like think about like all of those like audio sketches that he did were like t- they're timeless. Like to this day, it, that will never end people knowing those references that he did that seems like he just put a tape recorder on a table with his friends and just screwed around. Mm-hmm. And uh right. yeah, that's incredible. Especially I was yeah. that, I think it was pre-SNL. No, it was mm. while they were on SNL. It was 93 that came oh. out. Um, yeah, and they joined it. All those those gang joined in 1990, I believe. But but you're right in that it's rare. Like I can't think of anyone else who really does that. You know, like a audio Fallon, comedy maybe. sketches. Yeah. Yeah, early Jimmy <laughs> Fallon. <I guess. laughs> um, right. He had a CD that, but that was mostly songs, right? 
which Sandler does too, of course. But yeah, did you see his hundred percent fresh special a few years ago? Oh yeah, yeah, that was so good. Oh god, that, I can't, I can't get through the Farley song without getting, getting emotional. Yeah, no shit. That that is uh, that you couldn't ask for a better tribute to a, a friend and an actor. Oh. Yeah. So what's worse? Uh, here's a great question. Here, uh, bombing in front of a director, bombing in front of an audience. <laughs> what's the worst? Fantastic question. <laughs> oh, that's a great. Yeah, um, bombing at an audition. It's hard to tell sometimes, because bombing at an audition sometimes they're kind of half listening and half writing things down. And they've been through and they've heard the materials like over and over mm-hmm. again. I'd say bombing at an at a comedy show is worse. Really? Because wow. like, like like you guys said in your first episode, it's like you build it up in your mind. You're just like, all right, this is it. I got the punchline. I have the perfect phrasing for this punchline. And when you hear those crickets, it's like you've been rejected by a girl. Like flat Jeez, out. Like nine months like, later, you would think that we would not have the same problems, but God damn it, do we yeah. still do the same shit? <laughs> oh man, yeah. And if 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 it's like a director of a show, you know they give you notes and stuff. You know you're going to get notes, and you're going to get you're going to at least hear how how the you know, the bad performance hit. They're like, mm. Dennis, you got to change this. You got to change this. But open mics, it's just, it's just repetition. You just have to get out there and, and do it and, and tweak little things. It's about nuance and every audience is different, which is kind of what I love about it is, is like every audience you encounter is going to be different, but that deafening silence, that's, that's definitely harder than notes from a director. Yeah. This week's episode of Open Mic Pain is brought to you by Little Caesars. Did your family huddle around you all the time being worried that they're going to play some kind of music that's going to set you off and you're going to have a terrible seizure where they got to make sure you don't swallow your tongue? Well, we're here with Little Caesars, a pill that you take for $5 only. $5, you get the pill. Your seizures will not go away definitely won't go away but they will be small i promise you there will be no other times when you will have to fall on the floor in a supermarket and break the dill pickles we will make sure that you stay upright and fine for the case of five dollars so please come to us today little seizures pizza uh (laughs) (laughs) little seizures pizza (laughs) Caesar, Caesar. I was kind of thinking about this today because um, we did a Anthony and I were both part of a show on on Saturday, and it was kind of uh, kind of loose on the time. It was you know two five to seven minutes. See how it goes. If you get some chuckles, keep going. Whatever. And yep. when I, I I recorded it and I listened back, and because of the because of the leniency that we had. I feel like I, I, I told my jokes a lot different than I normally would have. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I kind of had more pauses. It just it just didn't seem the same uh, intonation. Is that is that the word I'm thinking of? But the way the way I said it wasn't the same because I, I just felt like okay, I have pretty much all the time in the world with respect to other comics. The cadence, cadence is yeah. what you're looking for. There. So I didn't have the same cadence, and I feel like that's kind of similar to like acting, 
where the way you say something could completely change how it comes across to the audience. Uh, which leads me to believe I'd be a shitty actor because uh, I could never do anything twice the same <laughs> the same way. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It's you're it's a dance you're doing with the audience. You're just like you're just kind of it's like tetherball. You're just ping ponging it. Like, oh, what do you think of that? It's like it, it kind of informs the next way you do things. Like sometimes I've I've just I mean I'm sure you you guys too have like halfway through a set you're just like oh, there's no way I can do this next bit. There's no way they're going to like it. Um, I just, I'm just going to scrap it. Oh, I'm really bored, and I'm just like, I don't care whether this audience likes me or not. I'm just going to do it. Oh, I bail <laughs> on bits all the time. Wayne never bails on bits. He white knuckles into the eyes of right. very angry people. It, ex- except, uh, who were the other night? And I just, I completely just dropped it. I was like, nope. Oh yeah, you so, said that was the first time you ever did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had some tough ones. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough month. <laughs> it has. Yeah, we're hitting a good grind. We're gonna definitely have to do another bombs episode, which sucks to have to do another one so quickly. Yeah. But uh, we're right. <laughs> yeah, fucking, we're racking them up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh. Hey, have that's you, how you learn, right? It's, it's yeah. Gonna, you have to bomb. Yeah. I'm sure acting's the same way. Where there are just patches where you can't do anything right and you can't get any job and then you go like a whole month where you're just getting stuff all the time and you're like yeah i'm the greatest there, there ever was this is gonna be the only thing i ever have to do uh and then you take oh, your totally. set yeah it's like when it rains it pours sometimes yeah. it's like i have gone six months without any anything not even a callback to an audition and then then you know six months later it's like oh i've got two things two i've got like a Little Caesars commercial audition, and then I have to get over to Santa Monica for a, a sitcom audition. Yeah. Do you do any voice work too, like uh, animated stuff at all? Or? Little, little bit, little bit. I've done. Uh, I was employed. Do you remember there's a magazine in in like uh, grade schools called the Weekly Reader? That does not ring a bell for me. Well, yeah. Um, uh, Lawrence Public Schools. My my uh, magazines were in Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you had nothing in English, unfortunately. Yeah, they they were just like really basic magazines, like um, like penguins migrate at this time of the winter, and it's just like little fun facts for kids. Mm-hmm. And I I was I was the voice of the weekly reader for uh, for half a year, so that was a that was a good gig. Oh, I do think I've had, I know what you're talking about, actually. Because uh, now that you think they sometimes they would do like a whole shark edition of the of the book, right? Where they would, yeah, yeah, yes. No, so there's little things like that, but no, I haven't really broken into to like mainstream voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love to, but yeah. Do you think that's harder, or do you think it would think be harder? It feels like it's just like like any kind of part of acting it's like a niche mm-hmm. niche niche market it's just like very specific and like a lot of the jobs are already taken yeah and mm-hmm. it's it's like about who you know you just have to have connections that's what it seems like 
I, I imagine it's a lot like doing like a fucking Marvel movie uh, where like it, it, you. It's the great thing about regular acting is I imagine bouncing off of another person and, and trying to get energy off of them. And then you get like realistic flow in the conversation where voiceover, you're doing your lines to yourself. Kind of like in a Marvel movie where they're like doing it to tennis balls and shit and they have to like act around that, which I'm sure is a little bit harder to get <laughs> right. an emotional response out of it. Right, right. Yeah, like Bob Hoskins for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He, he should have oh, yeah. had an Academy Award having to act with all those pieces of paper mm. that were supposed to be cartoons. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's sure, his Academy those Award? cartoon tits properly, I tell you. <laughs> oh, hey. There was some oh, huge tennis balls there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Between Jessica Rabbit and... Uh, Kim Cattrall in Mannequin. Those are my those are my first movie movie crushes. I think. Wow. Yowza. Mm. Yeah. Damn right. Spilling the seed <laughs> for the fucking rabbits and fucking car. <laughs> that was crazy back then. That that was like the first uh, whatever they call AR now. Whatever you could put like like Pokemon Go, where you could put shit in the room. Like when they had Jessica Rabbit in with the regular people. And you're like, God damn. That, that was one yeah, of like right. that and Casper. Those are right. Those are the early days. Where it was, uh, they were still kind of figuring it out. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Would you give advice for somebody that like? Because uh, we give advice to people who want to start stand up. What would you give advice to people who want to start acting? Like, what's your, what would your first steps be? Do you, you think going to LA is an essential part of the piece? I I'd say the best piece of advice I got is like. Figure figure out exactly what you like about it, like what genre you like, what medium you like, because I I love acting itself. It was a lot of fun, but I got to say, like, I got kind of burned out doing, um, you know, plays, uh, Shakespeare, things like that. And it took me a while to figure out what do I really want? Like, oh, I, I want to be. I want to do sketch comedy. I want to be the guy in the comedy movies. Like I wanted to be the next Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Martin Short. Like that's what I really wanted. And if I could go back and like, instead of four years of like studying acting, maybe I would have done two years and then studied at the second city or someplace like that where it's comedy focused. Mm. So it's like figure out what, because I, 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 there, there are actors like that. They get stuck. They get stuck in like doing the same. There, there are people who get stuck doing the same like Hello Dolly every year at a community theater, and they wonder why they're miserable. I'm like, maybe this isn't what you want to do. And, and there, and to to bring it back to stand up too. I think there are people who kind of do the same material every time expecting a different result when it's like either maybe maybe you you're meant to do acting or or maybe you just don't want to come up with material maybe you just want to do impressions and be like a vegas act mm. you know figure out figure out what you love about it specifically that's that's the best advice i could give that's great advice it's like uh, the stand up equivalent would probably be like finding your voice in stand up where you're like you got to figure yeah. out what your style is going to be because in the beginning, I because my favorite comics like Louis C.K., older Tom Segura, right. like, like the storyteller style 
uh, stand up, even though Louis got some shortened bits uh, in there, but still a, a lot of storytelling. And I realized as I'm going, I, I love shorter jokes, like not so much Stephen Wright style that short, but I love something that's like a minute to a minute and a half long where you get a misdirection in there. Ends up just being my favorite part of it. And I never thought that would be the case. But the longer you go, the more you kind of funnel in what you want to do. Uh, same thing, I'm sure, with acting. You know, it just took time, but you found out what you want. We're going to actually, we wanted to do a sketch show forever. So we're going to need your consulting help when we get going on that. Hey. Uh, to be like, We'd love to have you on, too. That'd be awesome. Oh, please. That's my bread and butter, man. I love, sketch comedy is my favorite thing in the world. I'll easily say that. It's my top favorite thing. It, it seems like so much fun. Um, it's something. It's definitely something we've kicked around. We have a few ideas oh, yeah. for some sketches, but we actually have to sit yeah, down. Justin, Jock, have Dennis on there. But we would have a real powerhouse here. Sure would. Hey, awesome! You you, you have all my information, as they say. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but back to your point, like finding your voice, it's so important. It's hmm. and it, even if you. Like like what you said, Tom Segura, Louis C.K. They have a very distinct st- style of c- kind of sucking sucking you into like their 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 world, and and they take you on this journey. Whereas like I can enjoy them, but I also <clears throat> loved Rodney Dangerfield. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, and he was like they 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 likened him and his style to more like a boxer because he was just like, oh, how about this, and then set up punchline set up punchline it was mm-hmm. like rapid fire it was like and that's such a different style than than what you said like tom segura louis ck but but they both make you laugh that's been my biggest uh, i out of everything that's happened so far to me in stand-up i think the biggest surprise i've had is the appreciation i have for different types of stand-up that i didn't think i'd have like i never thought i would see um someone like stephen wright do those shorter jokes and like, cause that wasn't my style of liking before, but now I'm like, man, it, for you to be able to take that short section, 15 seconds and get a punchline that takes a normal comedian two and a half minutes to get to super impressive. Also like clean comedians, never listened to many clean comedians going. And then to see like uh Wayne went and saw Steve Bjork the other night uh, with Mike Trobus and one more Steve. Uh, Chris, Chris Zito, Chris, Oh yeah, there you go. So they uh, did. I'm not calling them clean comedians, but they, you know, their stuff leans on the cleaner side, and they absolutely murdered the theater. So there's such an appreciation that I've gained over time to just the art of being able to do it. Like I don't care, go get a laugh any way you can get a laugh. Like I like darker stuff generally, but now I'm listening to everything. Oh, totally. Yeah, like I, dirty clean alike. I I like them both. There's there's. Mm. uh, in terms of clean, there's Nate ben- Benghazi and and uh, Jim Gaffigan, mm. but also I love I love like Dice Clay and and Bob Saget who was, who was filthy. The, the thing I love about Dice and uh, I think this is I think every comic should should strive for this, but Dice's jokes are like and I've said it before, like good comedy is like a good song. His jokes are literally like a good song. When you have an audience repeating back your nursery rhymes, god damn. I do it in the office every once in a while. Luckily, I've never been fired for it. <laughs> but, you know, if it gets a little too quiet, every once in a while I'll just turn around and go, Jack and Jill went up the hill, both with a bucket or a quarter, and then somebody will just finish it in the back of the office. And it's, like, I love that type of, 
I love the fact that he got to that point where his material was so iconic that mm-hmm. he would have a theater repeating it back to him like they were singing like Born to Run or something, you know? I think it's because he's un- unapologetic. That's why. That's really the biggest thing that I have been trying to learn is when you do bluer stuff like we do, if you don't go in there and unapologetically deliver the material out there, they're, they you are going to look – that's how you look like a dickhead because when you're trying to do a joke that you want to do that's a little dangerous and uh, on a dark – like I have a, a joke where I do um, – I'm trying to fit in about uh, Chris Hansen to catch a predator is like the punchline at the end of it. And to if you say that unconfidently, if you get there where you're like, huh, they're going to fucking hate you. You look like such a dickhead because they know that you're you know, it's wrong that you sure you're saying it. So you shouldn't be saying it. But if you go out mm-hmm. there and you're like, no, 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 in this, like you're going to suspend your disbelief and I'm going to pitch this to you like I believe it. Uh, I feel like the jokes always go over so much better. That's right. It is. It's about confidence and and owning your bit and sometimes it's 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 a confidence in owning it but it's also it's the nuance like i think what made dice work so well is he had a personality he had a cadence a rhythm Mm. that you said was very musical and he ate that up he loved the audience doing it back to him where i think there are people who aren't really like showmen like dice clay who want who really want to get into new bits and explore new bits. Like I'll never forget this story about Dave Chappelle about how it was a, it was kind of a double-edged sword. Like he was a, he started as a standup and he loves doing standup and he does bits, but his sketch show, the Chappelle show got so big that at some of his shows after that, like people in the audience were like yelling, like they were like, do Rick James. Mm. And for him, it would piss him off because he didn't want he didn't want that kind of chanting from the audience. He wanted to explore new bits, and he eventually got out of that. But but that that show was like the Chappelle show. That that was iconic in the world of sketch. I think those problems people have later in life, where they're like, "Man, people like me so much that they yell stuff I don't want them to yell at the shows at me." Like now, I'm like, "Man, I just want people not to hate me." (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I said I say it in my day job all the time. Like when I first started, I go around with my boss. My boss has been in the business for a very long time, and everybody loves him. And we'd go into some of the customers that I were taking over, and they'd in the beginning they'd still call him. And for the longest time, I was like, "Man, I wish they would just call me." Like, just call me. I like. I want to be the guy. And now they all call me. I'm like, will you stop fucking calling me? Can you like just call, <laughs> <laughs> call the office or something? <laughs> Do you even work here anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wayne. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like it's it's so interesting. Just um, like when I started, I I was like you were talking about earlier. I was kind of felt like I had to keep the pace up. Like I got to, I got to pick it up. Like I'm an actor, like learning cues. Whereas now, like I'll be clear, like the first 10 years I was terrible. I ate it on stage. I was just, I was like, I maybe tried one joke, like one new original joke. And then I was like, all right, who likes impressions? And then I would go into impressions because I felt like that was my crutch. That was like my, uh, I'll buy that for a dollar. That's my, that was my like, 
catchphrase <laughs> at the end kind of thing. But um, the more I've only gotten comfortable where I have an original about 10 to 15 minutes in the last five years. And the first time I did stand up was 2005. So there was a good 10 to 12 years where I was just trying to find my voice. And now I feel like I have, uh, finally have a point of view, but it takes a while. It takes a long time. That's awesome. We've only done collectively one impression. Remember? Do you remember the one I did, Wayne, to, in the history of stand-up that we've done? Yeah, uh, Steve, Stephen Hawking uh, having an orgasm, I believe. Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> can, can I hear that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is that uh, on an episode? I should, I should nope, seek it out? No, yeah. it's not an episode. We do have it on film. I, oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. I basically just said that he would hammer. I, I just said he went like oh 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 w, and I, <laughs> and I kicked my legs out when he did the, the w. But I'm not saying I can't commit. That's why the joke didn't work. I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> I don't. I was laughing my ass off. Oh 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 w. I like because it. <laughs> it hurts. That's why I said that was the last. That line took I me said. a second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I'm going to fall asleep picturing that tonight. <laughs> yeah, that was another indication movie. of when a host said, hey, if it goes well, keep going. And I was like, see, the problem is, is that when I plan it, it might go well. And then you t- put me in the stuff where I unplan it and I do orgasm mm. jokes. Like, it's all, that's my fallback. <laughs> Just so you know, the next five jokes are going to be orgasm jokes. Just so you <laughs> yeah. people know. <laughs> Uh, my wife told me every orgasm I ever had was a joke, so. Uh, well, you've talked about it <laughs> Uh-oh. Trouble in paradise. Um, have you guys ever done the, the burn in Somerville? We did. Uh, yeah. Anthony almost won. Oh, hey. Yeah, almost. 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 Congratulations. He, um, yeah, I lost a st- Talk about open mic. <laughs> See, I was going to say it. I was oh. going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> talk right, about open mic pain yeah but th- this is before i found my voice this is when i was still really bad uh but i at least had a good five minutes so i went to the burn and my friend it was either steve mcconey hosting or it was or rob crean was was subbing in and i had it ready i was i was um you know, I was still had that that nervousness because because stand up's not my main thing. But the the few people went up, and I was like, okay, all right, I I think I'm feeling this audience. I I think I get the vibe of the room. Guess who walks in? And they say, hey, we got to let him do a set because he just walked in. Is uh, Greg uh, Gary Goldman? Oh wow! <laughs> and he went up, and he did like ten minutes, and he destroyed. And they're like, okay, Dennis, you're, you're out. And I'm like, but uh, no. <laughs> and they're like, wait, wait, no? Do I have to follow Gary Goldman? <laughs> he was like a master. So I went up after him and I was like, oh. And I, I bombed pretty hard. But, but he's, he's like, I, have you guys ever seen him? Not live, no. No, not live. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude. He is, he's a Boston guy originally. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Like he was already established when I first saw him. And he's, he is a master at dealing with hecklers. Oh, I love that. He is so vicious. <laughs> like he, he comes across as like nice and like, you know, he's got that kind of uh, edge to him. He's got that depression thing that he talks about and stuff. But if he, once he senses a heckler, he is like, he knows exactly how to push their buttons. Like, like there was this group of girls just talking once at the burn and he's just like, Hey, Hey, least pretty of the three girls, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> and like, Oh, she, and I looked over at her. She was so pissed. Like, and, and, See, um, that's a, that's a, a lot of comics talk about not wanting to follow somebody great like that, that performs. I can, I can understand it. It's the weird thing about it though. Is we, so at the burn, uh, Dan Cronin opened the show and he was kind oh, of yeah. trying new shit and he didn't really like, he didn't blow the house down or anything like that. So that wasn't a, gotcha. and Casey Crawford was there. Uh, yep. Similar, similar yep. effect. It was a tough night, tough crowd, all that. But one time um, I, uh, Steve Bjork went on before me at a show and the crowd was super dead. And then he went up and uh, he was so fucking awesome. But it was yeah. in a way that benefited me because I was right after him and the cr everybody ate shit right before him. And I was like, oh, man, we're about to eat shit. And like he brought life into the stadium. Uh, it, well, at the stadium, the fucking winter circle. He brought life into the winter circle and allowed me to go up and have an ability to go through. So I've uh, like if, if Eddie Murphy went up, I'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, it's going to be a good set now. And then I would completely eat absolute balls afterwards but it hasn't happened <laughs> so far it's only been a benefit how'd you do well that's interesting i was eh, i was i mean i wish i could do that now because i i feel so much more comfortable but then i was still a little insecure but but that's interesting like that 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 can happen like <clears throat> a comedian what you're saying is like the comedian he resuscitated the room yeah yeah the, the energy of the room was back. And so they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're I just remembered we're at a comedy show and now we're going to listen to this guy. So they actually, you felt like they listened to you more than those those people that ate shit before you. I think it's a host thing too because I, I feel like that's the job of the host is to re revitalize the energy in between each act since they're all kind of going to be all over the place. You have to keep it at a level where you can perform. It's it's like it's driving a fucking Formula One car and it's sometimes if yeah. a host is bad, you show up. And it's like a, a cardboard box, and you're like, "Well, I can't really do anything with that now." And yeah, <laughs> and you go up there, yeah, and you yeah, still gotta drive it. You're so right. That's like an art in itself. Is hosting. Yeah, yeah I, I've said it and, before. Uh, it's sort of the, like we see it in. I mean, it, <clears throat> open mics. I mean, I guess it could be construed as a little different. But if if you're hosting a show, or you're even a, even an open mic, if if you have a guy that mm -hmm. goes up and absolutely kills, don't go up and do three to five minutes in between. Just keep going. Give your, you know, mm. give all the other stand-ups an opportunity to ride that wave, and you see it all the time. There'll be two, three, four, five minutes in between each each comic sometimes. Uh, but I think what a host should do is keep it going, and then if somebody goes up and bombs, then maybe do a few minutes, try to win the crowd back, and then give the next comedian a uh, a chance to to ride that wave of of energized crowd. That's a great point. Like momentum is a thing. Like mm -hmm. moment, momentum can be killed. Like I've seen shows where it's just off to such a great start and then a really slow comedian can just kind of kill the energy. Like uh, th there's someone who like, I, I like, like the, the show I'm putting on this, this year, that that's kind of what 
my goal is to just keep the ball in the air. Like, okay, here's a cool comic. Uh, now I want to show a video sketch without too much lag time in between, which, which is kind of a skill that's hard to do. If you're doing like a multimedia show and you're trying to, Mm. you, you have an act like it's, it's like a buffet. It's like (laughs) there's, there's the audience is going to like a certain thing and they're not going to want to scoop into this, this thing in the buffet. It's, it's, it's really hard. It's, it's, it's a, it's kind of like a magic act almost. I'm actually, I'm really excited for that. I think I'm going to go to that myself. And uh, that sounds like a really cool show. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to yeah. make that as well. Yeah, please. It's, who, it's fun. Who do you it's, have um, on that it's the, show? I, I saw Allison um, hosting. Or is it her hosting? Or Yeah. Uh, I'm hosting. You're hosting. And, um, She's just doing time. Allison Dines there. Um, I've got Peter Liu. Uh, and I've got Tookie Kavanaugh. And I've got uh, Uzir. Malik, yep. he's going to be there. Yep, yep. He's, we saw he's him at the Luna uh, last month. Yep, yep. And uh, Doug Fitzgerald. We've got a good mix of comics, and then I've got some old sketches that I did, and some short videos. Um, yeah, it's that's kind of a lost art is variety. Um, it really is. That was it's really hard, big it, back in the day. It's hard to do though, you know, because sometimes I I feel the energy like. I've seen it. I've I've been to shows like in New York and L.A. where it's like a mix. It's like, all right, we're going to have a stand up and then we're going to have an improv act and then a sketch. And you can kind of feel it in the room when like the people who just thought it was going to be a stand up show. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, no, now we have to sit through the shitty improv set <laughs> where we, you know, where you don't even know if it's going to be funny or not, which is fair. Yeah. But yep. it's like, you know, some people aren't all as open minded. They just like the kind of comedy they like. And it's. It's true. Yeah, you, that's you the most. So if you're gonna have a variety show, make sure make sure it's good. Make sure all yeah. all areas are good at what they do, and then maybe you, you have a better chance of success. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So you you said you did uh, uh you you were in improv improv groups and classes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, sketch was my main thing. I was in two sketch troops at Improv Boston back when they had their space, um. And we, we did like sketch nights there and sketch variety shows. I did a little bit of improv. Um, I, I do, I do love seeing a good improv show. I think it's, it's one of the hardest mediums of comedy. In some ways I feel like it's harder than stand up. just because oh, I would say, you so. know, it's, yeah, it's so hard because it can, it can get, it, you can get into a slump so easily and, mm-hmm. and then the audience, the audience wants to like you, but the whole room can tell it's just not going well. And it's just, it's almost like pulling teeth. It's like painful to watch bad improv to me. Yeah. I, that's something I've always, I've always wanted to try was do like an improv class and, and just try it. I don't know that I would be good at it. This is my problem with improv. I think for me would be, I think you would go towards almost like a, I mean, obviously you're familiar with the office. Uh, we chatted a little bit about that, but when Michael Scott was in the improv group and he kept his line, his go-to <laughs> line was, I have a gun. Like, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like people are going to have, or for me anyways, I would have go-to jokes in certain situations. So I would continually go to those same themes. And I, I think trying to find mm-hmm. you, trying to work your way out of that thought process would be really difficult. I'm saying it couldn't be done, but I think that would be difficult. It, it it is. It's like it's you have to like one be funny and then two be a really good listener. Like mm. you have to kind of see what your teammates bringing to the table and kind of try to build on that. And um, you know, 
and the bad improv is where they're really not listening to each other and they're just kind of there's ego it's like like an ego battle like no i'm the funnier one no i'm funny it's like we it's like when a bad comedy movie doesn't work it's like when when it's just a battle of egos we should make an improv group that's just depressing shit doesn't have to be funny we can just try to depress sad. people <laughs> yeah man just turn a camera on your daily life you'll yeah. fucking <laughs> improv the world with depression <laughs> Now we're going to do a scene about how we're, we're all going to die someday. <laughs> exactly. Because we are. Let's, let's not forget. We, we are going to die. Today we're we check if my dick grave. works again. Nope. <laughs> Day <Nope>. 67. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I did it. We did a a, thi- a bit uh, an improv show. This was a this was a funny combination. Uh, we had a run of uh, we did a Back to the Future themed uh, uh, improv show where we asked the audience to go to a time period, and uh, as you could probably tell, I was Doc Brown. Great Scott, buddy, 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 buddy. <laughs> That was fantastic. The only thing will save us is a bolt of lightning. So the thing, this is interesting. This ties into to open mics because it was at an open mic show that I realized through a bit he was doing, Rob Crean, I found out he did a Marty McFly. Hmm. Um, he did a Marty McFly, uh, Michael J. Fox impression. And uh, so we just did that and it kind of worked. It was fun. It was like we just did a, it, it ran, I think, 2011, 2012, we, we, we did a uh, kind of a month long set of shows. It was fun. Did he have like the whole? Did he do the Parkinson's? Did he get into it? Because that was like that was <laughs> he was just starting <laughs> Parkinson's when he got <laughs> that one. This is messed we, up. We we actually in rehearsal we actually got into that and we were like, um, do you Parkinson's? Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. It's like, oh uh, yeah. Did, that's hey, the best thing. Crazy. Have, have, have you ever little... seen? Uh, oh. You know Charles Grodin, the actor? Yes. Uh, that was the best story I heard. When he when he died, like I was like, Oh, I loved him. He was such a good actor in movies and, and, and he was his deadpan delivery was like that of like Norm MacDonald and Fred Willard. He he was in kind of that wheelhouse. And I guess on Michael J he was he was a guest on Michael J. Fox's failed sitcom, the Michael J. Fox show. <laughs> and I guess they did a take. Uh, and Charles Grodin was like played like his uncle or something and they're sitting on the bench and they're like they do the scene and once the camera wrapped or they wrapped that scene like Charles Grodin leans over and he goes hey Michael can we just can we do it again but without the Parkinson's <laughs> so I- and Michael shared that story on his Instagram and I was like oh that is cheap only he could get away with that that's, that's amazing I, I think this is taken down but did you guys ever go to MichaelJFoxNews.com? No. It, it was essentially FoxNews.com, but the whole screen just shook. That, that was a real, that was a real oh thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> they took it down, I think. Wow. I don't think it's there anymore. But, yeah, th- th- that is talking oh, about meta. I can't believe I hadn't heard of that. That's crazy. I think you're allowed to make fun of Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's only because they did it on Curb Your Enthusiasm where he was super loud upstairs. Uh, <laughs> it was basically <laughs> like was great. a – 
Th- I, I, I might be misremembering, but I think Larry Dave was underneath him, and Michael J. Fox yep. was above him, and he was super loud, and he was like, what are you doing? He's like, Parkinson. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> that was like, it was, it lent itself perfectly into a Curb episode. It's like, that's my beautiful excuse. It's like, oh, no, I wasn't playing the violin. It was, it was Parkinson's. <laughs> I was doing the violin gesture. Like, no, you got you to <laughs> yeah, read how the person reacts. Like uh, Nate, uh, we put his name in the, the description before because I couldn't remember his last name. Still can't. Uh, but Nate, bam. <laughs> so Nate is awesome. And uh, he had a stroke. And uh, I, and he had a stroke and then he made an awesome joke about it. So I was like, great. So when I went up, I said, uh, I'm glad he said my name right. So now I'm glad that he's alive. And that was the joke that I said in the beginning. And it got a great pop, and that was because he broke the barrier with it. But if I was like, look at this fucking guy with his stroke all over the place over here, uh, and mm-hmm. he didn't say anything about it other than, like, the room knew he had a stroke, wouldn't go as well. So he's got It really, really depends how the person opens himself up to it. It's true. And, and they're, like, I go back to the, the old masters, like, like Don Rickles. Like, mm. he, was, he was one of the only people who could, who could like, be so insulting and like bring bring up like your insecurities your race your he, he nothing nothing was it was it was nothing was off limits because he just had this way of like the nuance he, he brought into it he could insult people but without being really mean like without being fully mean-spirited Jerry, yeah, Patrice O'Neill took the aura of that in the next generation above it and took that ability to just unpants people. Oh. And <laughs> like no other. I loved, I loved Patrice O'Neill. He was so unique. Like his, his voice was just so specific and unique. Talk about finding your voice. He was, yeah, great. the most hated, but like he would make himself the most hated person in the entire room during his stand up <laughs> set to the most loved person by the end of it. And you're like, man, I don't know how you can redeem <laughs> any more of an arc and stand up. Like, like he, he, would, he would just, he was just so funny as a contrarian. He, he mm. just loved being a contrarian. He would, his voice would get really high. Like, Oh no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> I, oh, he was great. Rest in peace. Damn right. All right. Well, we're getting to the end of this sucker here, right, Wayne? What do we got? So we got, we got any other questions that you needed to. You so, here? There was one I, I did want to ask you. So in your in your acting yeah. career, who was yes. the favorite who we can bleep it if you want to, but for me personally, and I will never share it, who's the favorite actor that you've ever done a scene with? Do you think he'd bleep someone he'd like to do? I thought you were well, gonna be like you know, who fucking sucks. It's <laughs> no. I say you Holly Shore. No. Holly Shore sucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it could be it could be uh Offensive by omission, right? Oh, you think yeah, that yeah. Like, fucking Denzel Washington's gonna be like Dennis? What the fuck? <laughs> like <laughs> you, big Sandler? <laughs> well, well, yeah. I mean, Sandler might be like, oh, oh what Sandler the fuck? Was... He chose Mateo. Like <laughs> Mateo, he was great. No, um, Cena. I'm like, um, I would say. I would say, oh, the most exciting and the most fun thing and favorite person I worked with was probably on, on Superstore, the manager, Glenn, played oh, by Mark does he Does he really My sound like that? God. I love his voice. No, <clears throat> no. he does not. I, he does not. I love it. But And if you watch the, the reboot of Kids in the Hall, he, he still has his regular voice. Was he but, in yeah, that? I haven't does, watched that yet. Um, oh, yeah. Put it on the list, man. It's great. Yeah. Oh, damn. Talk about not missing a beat. Like... Like I loved Mr. Show, 
And then their revival was good, but it was like it wasn't quite there. Kids in the Hall, like thir- thirty plus years later, they still got it. It's and great. you said he's a it, nice guy. Oh yeah, no, and he. This was the best. Like, I wish, I wish, um, it, you know, it's an NBC sitcom superstore. And the three episodes I was on, I was so blessed and grateful to be on it. But it's they ha- at the end of the day, they have to cut it into a twenty-one, twenty-two minute thing. Mm-hmm. But they were all doing great improv, like the the. The girl who, Lauren Ash, who plays Dina, was doing some fantastic improv. And Mark McKinney even gave me suggestions of, like, some improv. So that was, like, a a moment of, like, oh, it's one of my heroes, like, kind of giving me advice and notes. And that was was wonderful. Yeah. I don't know how they get away with some of the stuff they say on that show. Oh, it's that's so super good. Star. That's why I like it so much. Yeah, it's an NBC comedy that they, they really throw the darkness in there sometimes. Yeah, they do. I'm really they surprised yeah. I didn't hear about it until until I spoke with you, and like that's like right up my alley for comedy. It's it's such a uh, good show. Like so, like the stuff that they came up with in the improv. Like I was like, oh, I wish like it wasn't NBC and it was just like a Christopher Guest movie where they kind of just mm. let the bit play out for a long time. Yeah, but it was just fun to be around. That was. I did that was the the Universal yeah. tour with my wife uh, when we went out there, and they uh, Superstore was going on at the time. And when they we yeah. were we were on a little ride there, we saw it. It was all open to the lot. It was really cool to see the store, like a little small version of a store in the sets and all that. It was really cool. And at the oh, same yeah. time, saw the truck from Jurassic Fucking Park. So that was a good day. Hell yeah, that's a good day. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, that that's. I, when I walked onto the set, I was like, I feel like I'm in an actual Walmart. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah that must be your stomping ground. How, that, how convenient is it that there is like an old Western set, any type of lot? Uh, you walk into those things, you feel like you could be in like a million different worlds. Um, but, uh, did you uh, did you spend a lot of time on the lot when you were out there doing that? I mean, I, I spent the day on there and it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, that's but, awesome. You know, they pretty much regulate you to to your area, but I I, mm. I do loved it when when I had the time to kind of wander around Universal or Paramount. It's just like, it's what I always wanted to do as a kid. So it's like, ah, oh, this is it. This I is heard Chevy I, Chase has a uh, Chevy Chase has a huge um, like a lay of the land out there where he can walk around anywhere, <laughs> and he takes over. Oh, and he's just he's obviously such a delight to be around. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> just causing havoc around everybody. <laughs> so God bless him. Imagine you get to that level, you're like, I'm just gonna fuck with people. <laughs> hey, man, more power to him. Like people, people say that. Like you know, hey, it's it's a bummer that Chevy Chase and Bill Murray are kind of dicks. Like. I don't think so. Let them be dicks. Like it comes across on screen. Well, it's like maybe, maybe in real life, they're a nightmare to be around, but Hey, it's the proofs in the pudding. I, I, I'll watch their movies any day of the week. You get a pass too at a certain level. Cause you didn't hear this back in the day when they were doing like their, their stuff. Cause they hadn't earned it yet. But like, if you're going to have Bill Murray in your movie in 2019, he's going to be a dickhead. Like, I don't know how you could <laughs> yeah. think that's not going to be the case. How could he not? So I'm trying to get take Jack all Nicholson. of them. <laughs> right, right, and you not expect some some part to not be. <laughs> yeah, we did. We'll, we, we'll definitely keep it anonymous. But we did a show a, a while ago, and um, there was a, we had a person that had to come to the set. I mean, to sorry to the the show, and they had to pick their time that they had to come to the show. Uh, so like very specific, they wanted so many things to go exactly the way that they wanted the show to go. Then they show up late to the show. <laughs> and all that and then they get you know you know 
but the yeah. fact that they're talented trumps all. And you're like, man, you know, that's how it goes when you get talent. You can fuck around. <laughs> yeah. If you get the the fuck you money. Exactly. You yes. <laughs> Once you get fuck you money, different confidence level. Yeah. People people will excuse certain certain uh aggravating behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they sure fucking will. All right, well, let's wrap this sucker up. So we had a goddamn great time here. And just remember, by December 14th, Somerville Goddamn Theater Variety Show. So most of the time we tell you guys to go to things where people are going to just say very vulgar, terrible things into a microphone, and that's all they're going to do. And in the middle of it, it, the microphone might kick out, might fall to the ground. This is variety. It's going to have all kinds of shit there. It's going to have sketch comedy. (laughs) It's going to have improv. You're going to see so much stuff. You're not even going to know what to do with your fascination muscles. They're going to be fucking blowing out of your mind like you're doing fascination steroids. But anyways, go out December 14th because it's going to be worthy step. Wait a minute. Are you available for advertisements? Because that was amazing. Right? I I didn't hire you to advertise my show. Free every time for you because I want to take it to this show. And I – because I need – to get my fascination, yep. I'm going to lose you when I say fascination boner, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's the human body. It happens. Uh, no, this is it's going to be fun. It's just a variety show. It's going to be live live stand up. So there will be who knows whether it be vulgar or not, but uh, be a mix of stuff and it's pay what you can. And it's in the basement. It's in the micro cinema. Oh, that's incredible. Would you call it a worthy step in the quest for fucking laughs? Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody.